0: Well, great to be with you today. Um, And as I uh, mentioned earlier, uh, and as Steve had mentioned, um, next week we'll get back to our regular uh, ministry, and uh, we'll have the children here. We'll have them up on the platform and all of that. And so, uh, um, parents, good luck with the kids Um, (laughs) this morning. We'll see how this goes. Um, So, I was a kid once. Um and it wasn't really that long ago that I was a kid. How many of you remember being a kid? Okay. Uh, I remember as a child, I had a lot of things that I was afraid of. I really did. I had a lot of fears. Um, I had a fear of getting lost, and I do remember one time being lost and not sure how to find my way home. I had a fear of abandonment, um, which had to do with the fact that my parents uh, divorced and... Uh, I didn't have my father for about half of my growing up years. A fear of thunderstorms. I remember just really freaking out when there was, you know, thunder and lightning and all of that, and uh, um, fear of things that go bump in the night, fear of what was living under the bed, Uh, fear of water. I almost drowned when I was about five years old, and I remember having kind of a fear of water. I, I, I was afraid of fur. Uh, and my older sister used to chase me around the house with a little piece of fuzz or something, and I would, I, I would be sh- streaking like crazy trying to get away from her. Um, children tend to have more fears than adults, t- typically. And often, as kids, we were afraid of things that were irrational. Uh, our parents would smile at us like, mm, they'll get over it, you know. And uh, uh, it's because... As kids, we just didn't have enough life experience to know any better. Um, To know which forces in the world were truly dangerous and which ones really we didn't need to worry about at all. But also, as kids, we had limited control of our lives. Really did. And uh, when you get older... And when you really get up there in years, you kind of start having more limited control of your life. Uh, but as kids, we had limited control. We had limited control of our environment. And we really did, did depend on the adults around us to, to take care of us. Um, but even as adults, we sometimes find ourselves battling fear, like battling phobias that we have. And so I'm sure some of you have these. Uh, A fear of heights, perhaps. Maybe an irrational fear of heights. Maybe it's a fear of getting into an airplane and flying. I know people that never travel and don't see the world because they just have a fear of getting into a hollow metal tube and hurtling through the air at 600 miles an hour. I don't know why. Um, Fear of terrorism. Terrorism. You know, after September 11th happened, and, and as we see terrorism on the, you know, ha, ha, had been on the increase in our world in the last 25 years or so, or it appears to be on the increase, people are afraid of terrorism. They don't want to get caught in something like that. Uh, it could be a fear of drowning, a fear of cancer, or some disease that could uh, uh, cause your life to end sooner than you want, or to at least reduce your quality of life. A fear of rejection, a fear of failure, or the ultimate fear, the fear of death. Even adults, we have fears that we live with. And some adults, even Christian adults, um, sometimes allow their fears to control them. And uh, that's what I want to talk about today, is how do we come to a place in our lives where we don't allow those fears to control us and to cripple us, to paralyze us. Um, Because if we live in fear as Christians, um, it can cause us to disobey a direct command of God. If God calls us to do something that we perceive is going to endanger us, or we perceive that it's going to face us with some insecurity we have, we may just disregard a direct instruction from the Lord. And, and that concerns me. And we may miss out on the adventure that God has for us. And so where do we turn when we are afraid? Now, I want you just right now just to take an assessment of yourself. Just take a moment. Uh, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of today? Don't, don't shout it out. I, I don't think we all need to know that right now, but what are you afraid of? Uh, what freaks you out a little bit? What makes you tremble? What wakes you up in the middle of the night and scares you? You see, that's where our faith in God comes into play. And if it, so, if we believe that God exists, and if we believe that God is personal, and that He loves us, that He is good. And if we believe that God exists, that He is good, and He wants to do good for us, and that God is not only good, but He's all-powerful, and He's all-knowing, that He is sovereign, then we should be able to relax. If we know God is with us, should we not be able to relax if we really believe that. And do you really believe that? Do I really believe that? When I get on an airplane, and we flew from Calgary to New York, and then from New York to the UK, and then back from the UK to Calgary. Got on this airplane, and uh, I did not know the pilots or the flight crew personally. Um, And... I did not have really much control. The only control I had was to make sure I knew where the exits were and how to use the seatbelt and the oxygen mask if it came down. And, but, but you know what? I gave up control to those who are flying the aircraft. And so we know a little bit about that from real life, the way that we live life. But what about giving up control to the God that we say that we believe in? Because if He really is sovereign, and if we believe that He's good, and He wants to do good for us, then we should be able to surrender our lives over to His control. So I want to read to you Psalm chapter 121, and uh, I forgot my glasses. All right. Okay, this is where everybody starts reaching for their reading glasses for the poor pastor. Um, I think I can do it. Listen to this, Psalm 121. it's on this uh, screen as well. This is known as a song of a And it was oh, thank you, Margot. Are those ladies' glasses? Oh, good. All right. All right. <laughs> so a song of a sense. This was one of um, uh, several psalms that were written. And, and the psalms were songs, and they would sing them while they were on pilgrimage to Jerusalem, when they would go up for the feast, for the festivals annually. And they would sing these psalms of sense as they were ascending the hill towards Jerusalem, because Jerusalem was, you go up to Jerusalem. And so it really is, these are songs that pilgrims would sing. So sometimes people, even today, when they travel, if you get on a, an airplane or on a ship, Or even if you get in your car to do a road trip, some people would actually uh, quote or sing Psalm 121 uh, because it's really for the sojourner. It's for the person who's on a journey. And this is what it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And the answer is, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. And forevermore now that's a promise to us and it's really something that I I would encourage you to memorize it I've memorized that um, that passage and it means a lot to me it's really an affirmation of my faith in the sovereignty of God's he says I lift up my eyes to the hills Bible scholars aren't absolutely certain what the hills represented some of them thought that it meant, like, you know, um, the idol worshipers would um, worship on a high place somewhere. And they would go to their false gods, and they would try to appease their gods. And they thought, well, maybe that's what the reference was, you know. And so, Should I lift up my, highs, my, my, my eyes to those high places where uh, people worship idols? And it's really like, no, that's not where I'm going to look. Uh, others thought that it, it really meant... Jerusalem itself. As I'm on this journey, I'm looking upward towards Jerusalem, and I keep looking because I'm on this, this journey, this pilgrimage towards Jerusalem, and I'm looking up to my destination. Where does my help come from? Well, where did the Lord make His dwelling place? He made it in Jerusalem, in His tabernacle, in His temple, among His people. And He's saying, Where does my? He asks the question, "Where does my help come from?" You see, some people look for help in other places, but he says, "Where does my help come from?" And the answer is, my help comes from the Lord. Verse two, the Lord is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And it's kind of interesting, is we believe um, in the God. Not only the God who exists, but the God who existed before we did. You know, people go, is there a God? They're going, "Uh, yeah, not only is there a God, but before there was you and me, before there was an earth, before there was stars and galaxies and black holes and a universe, there was God. The idea of Yahweh... Is that um, that word? Is that the God I am? That I am, God existed from all eternity before there was anything. He existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so, um, if God existed before anything else existed, and then called everything into existence, is there anything that is too difficult for Him? That's really what He's saying. The one that I turn to for help is the one who created me, who created all that exists. And so, why should we trust in him? Because he's able. That's really what he's saying. So, in verse 3, he says, he will not let your foot slip. Uh, he who watches over you will not slumber. Um, how many of you have ever gone like, to Canaanaskis or whatever? You know when you, you, you kind of walk up the, the side of uh, a hill or a mountain, and it's kind of got, there's a lot of rocks and pebbles and, 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 and dirt and everything, and you're, you're walking up, and sometimes your footing isn't too sure, and you need a certain type of shoe. You know, you want a shoe that's got some grip, and maybe you've got a walking stick because you want to make sure your foot does not slip. This week at family camp, it rained, and I remember walking down from the tabernacle, and I was walking down the hill towards our campsite, and it was so muddy, it was like ice, and my, my heel just kind of, I almost fell down. I didn't, but I almost fell down. That We don't want our foot to slip in the physical, but neither do we want our foot to slip in the spiritual. And sometimes we feel that we're not on a firm footing but he says here, God will not let your foot slip. Um, he will not let you stumble so as to fall irrevocably. God is the one who protects us in times of trial. He protects us not from trial, but through trial. And there's a big difference between the two. Uh, I, would, I would ask you this week, maybe for homework, uh, is read through and meditate upon the, the whole epistle of Peter, 1 Peter, 1 Peter. Uh, Just read through the whole thing. There's five chapters. And it really is about... God does not protect us from trials. He does not protect us from suffering and from pain. But through it, he protects my inner person, my soul, my spirit, to keep me from despair. He also protects us from temptations. Um, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, it says, in the Lord's prayer. So the Lord does not want us to slip in our journey in life. I prayed at the altar this week with a father and husband. Um, and I was one of, uh, there was three of us that prayed with this gentleman um, earlier this week at the altar. And the worship team <clears throat> was playing softly um, But I do have a problem hearing when there's background ambient noise. And so this person was kneeling at the altar, and I laid my hand on his shoulder, and then another gentleman was there, and the other gentleman was moving his lips. I could not tell whether he was praying or whether he was talking into the ear of the person who was kneeling. And I just thought, well, I'm a pastor. Um, I, I really felt helpless. I could not hear anything. All I could hear was two words that came out of the mouth of the man kneeling. And he's, all I heard was, I'm afraid. I, that's all I heard. But I, I didn't hear the rest of it. So after the music stopped, um, I spoke up and I said, hey, I'm really sorry. I I, I could not hear anything. Um, I said, but I, I, I think I heard you say, I'm afraid. And he nodded his head. And I said, what are you afraid of? And he said, I'm afraid of of backsliding again that's what he said and and then we began to minister to this man who is battling addictions and and so on he's so afraid that his foot is going to slip and the only thing that I could think to say to him in that moment was sometimes we lose our grip on God but he never loses his grip on us um, John chapter ten, Jesus said, "No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. No one, you know." Uh, and I believe that our Heavenly Father loves us so much that even when we are going through the deepest trial, or even if it's a if it's a failure of our soul, um, God. Does not let us go. Sometimes we let go of him, but he doesn't let go of us. And I believe that's what this means. He will not let your foot slip. It's kind of like, I'm on the journey of life. You know, over and over and over again, the Bible says, God says, I am with you. How many times is that phrase used or some version of it? I am with you. Fear not. I am with you. I will strengthen you and help you. How often do we hear that? Jesus said the last words to his disciples at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, how often? So the idea is I'm walking hand in hand with my Lord. I'm walking hand in hand with him, and if I slip, he's he's got me. He's got me. Uh, Some of you, I've done this, some of you have done this, where somebody is uh, getting out of a car, in the winter, in the parking lot, and often it's somebody I can see is is quite elderly and maybe a little bit unstable on their feet, and I'll go over and say, "Can can I assist you? Right? That's what God does. He's with us. And so he won't let our foot slip so as to fall irrevocably. And so the beautiful thing about this psalm is that there's two words that we find in the New International Version, which is here, and you'll see it here see in verse 3 watches over look at verse 4 watches over verse 5 watches over five times in Psalm 121 it says the Lord watches over us he is the watchman he is watch not he's not spying on us he's watching over us just as a parent watches over their children God does not slumber nor sleep. You know what's interesting? So uh, some of you know that I, I, love neuros- I love physics and cosmology and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I also like neuroscience, like the study of the brain. And that's kind of a big frontier now. So You know, they still don't really know for sure why people need to sleep. They're not quite sure what it is. But if you don't sleep, uh, it, it can kill you, you know, if you don't sleep. But God does not need to sleep. And He doesn't slumber like some of you are right now. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay. No, i just kidding. I didn't see anybody slumbering. Don't worry about it. I'm not thinking less of you. Uh, But God doesn't need to sleep. He's God. Um, And so He won't fall asleep on His watch. Isaiah 40 says, He does not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. And I love this. Here's a psalm I memorized Psalm 4, verse 8. I will lie down and sleep in peace. Oh, see, I told you I memorized it. I got to get it. Oh, yeah. Because you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalm 4, verse 8. Isn't that beautiful? I will lie down, I'll put my head on my pillow and I will lie down and sleep in peace because you, O oh Lord, you alone, it says, you alone make me dwell in safety. It's kind of like knowing that God is there with us. So our grandson Finley, he's um, 11 now, he's going into grade six, uh, but when he was a lot smaller and he would, uh, when he was visiting with us and stuff and he would stay for some overnights, uh, he would sleep in the spare room. And the spare room faces the living room and all that. And so uh, we put him to bed and we turn the lamp out, and then we—he always wanted us to leave the door ajar a little bit, and he could see that the light in the living room was on. And then, um, and we turn on a little bit of music, and you know that kind of a thing. And so anyway, and we would settle him down and leave the room, and then he knew that I would probably be reading or doing something out there in the living room close by. And then, about five minutes later, after I think he's asleep, he's going, "Papa." Yes, Finley? Oh, I just wanted to know if you were still there. <laughs> and and it was really cool because I thought that's us as adults. Sometimes we just want to know, God, are you there? And sometimes we're not sure, you know. But but my my grandson, just needing that assurance to know that Papa is still there. And the Bible says we can call God Abba Father. That's how we can address him. And, and actually the best translation of that. Is, is Papa, and our our, our Papa is there. Um, I met a man um, just the last few months uh, at the Tom Baker at the Tom Baker Cancer Center, and uh, his name is Ralph. And I, I I was asked by a friend of mine in Medicine Hat said sent me a text and said Brian, I've got a friend. His name is Ralph, um, and he's got cancer and he's being treated at the Tom Baker Cancer Center. Could you go visit him? So I went to visit him, and I got to tell you, this guy blessed me, and the, 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 they said he had like a 10% chance to beat the cancer, but this man's faith was so strong, uh, I left feeling so blessed, and so um, I, after my vacation, I went back and visited him a second time, and now he's gone back to Medicine Hat. They told him, there's nothing else we can do for you, but I remember his faith and there was no doubt in my mind that he believed that God could heal him in the body and give him more time on earth. Um, But he said to me, he said either way, he said, I can't lose because he so believes in the life to come so strongly. Like sometimes we give lip service to the life to come. You know, we call it heaven or the new heavens and the new earth, the new creation. We say we believe in life everlasting, eternal life, and that there's going to be a resurrection of the dead and that we'll get new bodies. This man really believes it. He would talk about, I I know that when I wake up at the resurrection, I'm going to have a new body, and it won't get old and wrinkled and die, and you know, sick and die. And he was so, and I could just tell he really believed that. His hope was the fact that even if this body this corruptible body uh, gave up the ghost, so to speak, that 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 wasn't the end of him, that he would go on. And I was so encouraged by that. So when I heard that he's been sent back to Medicine, I just sent him a text, and I just gave him some scriptures and stuff like that, and we're corresponding, and I'm hoping to get down to Medicine Hat, maybe to see him. But here is a man who believes that God is watching over him, um, and that's where his hope is. The psalmist in verses 5 and 6 says, the Lord is your shade at your right hand, right? The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. And you know, uh, how many of you have ever had sunstroke? Anybody here? Anybody ever had sunburn, real bad sunburn? You know what I'm talking about? You know what, the sun is our friend, but you get too much, whew, it's not your friend anymore. And what he's saying here is really just a metaphor to say, Um, God is your shade. He's your canopy. God is your shade. um, And he will protect you from whatever it is that threatens you. And so we're on a journey of life together. Um, And it's a journey of faith where we believe that God exists, that he's good, that he's watching over us, even though evidence to the contrary might say otherwise because and here's the thing in this psalm it how does it start can we see verse 1 how does it start it says i lift up my eyes that's the secret oh yes god is sovereign God is watching over us, but for you to live with that assurance and that courage um, and to live in victory, you have to look up, and it's not looking down, and it's not even looking around. Where does my help come from? My help. That phrase in the Hebrew is used twice, my help. Where is my help? My help is from the Lord. And so when the chips are down, we do what it says in Colossians chapter 3. You know where he says, um, fix your eyes on the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We fix our eyes on the eternal, on that which is eternal. We fix our eyes on that which is invisible. You say, how do you look at something invisible? By faith. Second Corinthians 5 verse 7, he says, we live by faith, not by sight. Not by this sight. Not by the eyes, the physical eye, but by the spiritual eye. And he's saying... We live, we walk by faith, not by sight. We look at that which is invisible. We're fixing our gaze on the eternal. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind, I strain towards what is ahead, and I'm looking at the prize The reward. I'm looking upward, and it's the upward gaze, and and it's really interesting. Um, Isaiah 43, it says, When you pass through the waters, God says, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Holy One of Israel." Your Savior. And he's saying, none of that is going to ultimately destroy you. But you have to believe that. You've got to keep your gaze fixed on him. Why did God, Moses, say to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, Do not turn to the right or to the left, but meditate upon this law, this word, day and night. And do everything in it. Because the fact is. Sometimes we look around. You know. And. Or we're looking down. Because we're discouraged. He says look up. And here's what I want to leave you with. I believe that the secret. To spiritual uh, victory. To become an overcomer. uh, In the faith. Is found in worship. I really believe that. I believe it's found in worship. And in trust. Um. You can't worship a God you don't trust, right? If you don't trust God, if you don't trust that he's with you, if you don't trust that he's good and that he is able, it's hard to worship him. But once we can surrender to his sovereignty and say, God is here, he's with me, he's going to help me. And it doesn't matter. It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, when they were told to bow down before an idol, this is in the Old Testament, they said, we will not bow down to your idol. You could throw us into the fire, but we know that God can rescue us from the flames, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. See, that's faith. So the the point is, is it doesn't matter if they kill the body. It can't kill your spirit. and and And, and so... Life can get really, really hard, but that's why we walk by faith and not by sight, and we keep our eyes upon the resurrection and the life to come. Uh, The Apostle Paul says, our light and momentary troubles are producing for us, achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So he's saying, where are you looking? What are you looking at? Are you looking at yourself? Are you looking inward? Are you looking outward at everything else? You, you, you're going to look at the government. You're going to look at the, uh, the psychologist, the psychiatrist, your friends, uh, whatever. Or are you going to look up? And the, here's the point. Yes, we should receive help from other places. But first, we turn to God. And that's the thing for me. Even as a pastor, I read other books. I, I, I'm actually reading a book right now that's a business book written by a Christian businessman that is so full of faith. But here's the thing. When I started reading it, I didn't know that. And I started reading this book, and it's so full of wisdom. But you know what? For me, I'm a man of one book the Bible is the final arbiter of what is right and wrong for me. And and what I do for my life right now, even as a pastor, I lead this church by, first of all, inquiring of God. I have to first go to God. I have to first pray and seek His wisdom, seek His counsel. Once I've done that, sure, God says, okay, you can go and you can talk to these other people and read this book and go to that conference. But the point is is sometimes we do all that other stuff but we don't turn to God. And so in Isaiah 31 verse 1 he says this, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help who rely on horses who rely on the multitude of their chariots and the great strength of their horsemen but do not inquire of the Holy One of Israel or call out to God for help. And he's saying they do all this other stuff but they don't look to God. And what he's saying is if you want to make alliances with others and get wisdom from other places nothing fundamentally wrong with that but he's saying but if you don't consult the Lord and if you're not looking to Him to be your help to be your strength then you're missing it. You're missing out on so much of what God has for you. And so God is watching over us. He is our help. And I am really, God by his grace, has been teaching me how to walk by faith. I just wanted to share that with you because um, this psalm for me has is, is become very real. Am I there? Do I have it all covered? Am I perfect? No. But I have to tell you right now that um, I walk in greater peace and I sleep in greater peace than I ever have. Only because... Um, I know he is with me, and uh, I don't have control. I really don't, neither do you, but he does. So we're going we're gonna to just do one thing. How are the kids? Okay, I'm going to get an acoustic guitar. Oh, one second. Don't go anywhere. Got to get a sip. I'm going to get you to sing a song with me. I just kind of came up with this last night. And so, okay, hopefully, all right. Okay, volume. Here we go. We're good, eh? Oh, Shamal, is it okay if I use your guitar? Thank you. So here's the words. Uh, This song was uh, inspired by Psalm 121. This psalm was inspired by Psalm 121. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and this is going to be our benediction today. So... that our help comes from you. And Lord, there are times when we are unsure of our steps and we confess, Lord, there are times when we've questioned, God, are you there? Are you with me? But Lord, no matter what forces assail us, no matter what the threats, the dangers, the sorrows the trials we know Lord that you have given us the promise of the life to come of heaven and the resurrection of the body where there will be no sin no evil no sorrow no sickness no disease no death and that's where we need to fix our gaze I lift my eyes up To see the Lord, to look at that which is invisible, to look at the unseen reality of heaven, to fix my gaze upon Christ in worship, and there I will find peace and assurance. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. God bless you.